Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Mark Etheridge. We're here to recap weekend two around the SEC. A little bit more interesting stuff this weekend than there was last weekend, so so enough to chew yeah. on here. It was a, a good weekend. We're, we're building to something. I feel like, you know, if this were like in the NFL preseason, we're, we're building to something week after week, right? We're, you know... Back in the days when they had four preseason games, remember like week three yeah. was the dress rehearsal week and week four was the back off week. That That's kind of mm-hmm. what we're building to to here. So week two was, you know, we're, we're getting a little more stretched out. So we will touch on a whole bunch of stuff. Arkansas's weekend, Auburn tournament, Kentucky's tournament, Georgia's comebacks, you know, all, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. But before we get to any of that. I have to let you know that this episode of Highway to Hoover and every episode of Highway to Hoover is brought to you by Pitch Logic. The system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. All right, this is, uh, I'm thankful, Mark, that you were kind of at your home base this weekend because you had a chance to watch some stuff. And, and, you know, I was at the Jacksonville tournament, um, you know, covering those games, doing some some analysis work with Darren Vaught in the uh, TV booth for the stream for D1 Baseball. I assume offers for me to do that full-time are just going to start oh, yeah. coming in left and right. So, frankly, my days here doing this podcast with you are <laughs> probably numbered, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, that's just the reality, you know. Um, I don't want to I don't want to lie to anybody about that. So, um my, my days as a star are upon us, I'm sure. But for today, I'm going to go ahead and humble myself and, and do this podcast. You killed so. it, man. You you, you yeah. really did a good job. Yeah. Awesome. I, it, sincere, you know, jokes aside, sincerely, I had a lot of fun doing it. Darren makes it easy. Like the guy's a pro. He's he's willing to to play around. Like he's funny. Mm-hmm. He's willing to not be. He knew I was going to come in and try to make some jokes and make light of some things while also trying to add some insight. And so um, I, I'm super thankful that kp and and darren gave me gave me a chance to do that because it was a lot of fun so whether it's a one deal or i do it again in the future i you know i I had a good time doing it so i appreciate you you saying so um before we get to auburn which is the team i saw this weekend let's actually talk about arkansas because it feels like even though they lost a game which feels weird they did lose that extra inning game to oklahoma state last night saturday night yeah that to me feels like the story, and I just did. I just added it up. I will. I will give you this these stats, Mark, and then I will toss it to you to see if you can put words to these stats. 
The weekend rotation of Hagen Smith, Brady Tiger, and Mason Molina combined to throw 17 innings, giving up six hits, no runs, four walks, 33 strikeouts. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that 17 is innings great. pitched, six yeah. hits, no runs, four walks, 33 strikeouts. Now, Incredible. you know, Hagen Smith 17 on Friday really set the tone, but I, Tiger and Molina, not as dominant, but just about as effective, honestly. Yeah. Um, so impressive stuff there. So again, Mark, you're 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 the more of the wordsmith here of the two of us. So please put words to what Arkansas did this weekend on the mound. Yeah. I mean, the the starting pitching is is just incredible. And then the bullpen isn't isn't much of a drop off, right? Because that's the thing. A lot of times you have these great rotations and then hey let's just get the starter out of there and you know we feel pretty good about it and it still might be true you might feel better about it but 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 there's not a big drop off and I think as the season goes on and these guys get stretched out even even longer that's going to be more of an advantage right because they can withstand it if somebody has a bad day or, or has a little tenderness or whatever um, that, that's that's where Arkansas is. Now the question will be, are they going to hit enough? And we all wondered that, you know, heading into the year, I just don't think they're going to have to hit, you know, they're they're not going to have to score a lot. Obviously it came back to bite them in the 14 inning game, right? They just, just couldn't get enough against Oak state. But I I do think that, you know, over the long haul, I'll take my chances with, with that pitching staff, especially, I mean, Hagan Smith, I mean, from from reading Aaron's story and from from what I what I saw uh, with that Friday, you know, he had such a rough start last week. It was you know, like mid thirties temperature wise, and he just couldn't couldn't get right. He had a forty two pitch first inning, and it just didn't didn't work. And he came back, and you know, in normal circumstances to play baseball in this week, and was basically just unhittable. He just did whatever he wanted. Uh, he struck out 17 in six innings. Struck out uh, the first 15 outs that he got were all by strikeouts. I mean, it was, it's just, I mean, it, it's the kind of stuff that, that people remember years from now because it was that kind of unique outing. And, you know, he's not going to do that every week, but he's going to, I, I think he's going to do enough of that that he's going to scare you every Friday night, regardless of who you are, because you got to match up with him. And, and there's not going to be many people in the, in the country who are going to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Cause you, you have to repeat that. And that's kind of been the thing with him. He was pretty efficient. Or he was very efficient Friday to, to get all those strikeouts and not drive his pitch count up. And that's really been his thing, you know, last year, he, you know, he, he was, he was dominant at times, but he threw a lot of pitches to do it. And, and if he sh- shrank that down, then, then he, you know, he, he's a different, he's a different kind of pitcher than he was a year ago. And he was good last year, but, but, but they're in a position where, you know, with him on Friday, if he's going to get you deep in games with as good as Tiger and Molina are on, on the, the next two games, then they don't have to stretch at all in the bullpen. And it's it, it's it's a different type of team that you're going to face than the one that you saw in, in Fayetteville last year. Yeah, the question is, I, I thought about this just kind of as I saw these games roll by of, of how much concern should we have offensively? I mean, 19 hits in three games. And 
you know, that that already doesn't sound like a lot. But then you consider they played 14 the one time. So we're talking about 32 innings of baseball, not 27. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and it did get them. It cost them in that Oklahoma State game, like you said. Uh, and, you know, after this game, you look at their overall stats. They're hitting 248 as a team. Yeah. However, I think for the for the reason you stated is the biggest reason I'm not too worried. I just don't think I don't think the bar is going to be that high for what they need right. to do. And then it's a, it's the thing we've said all preseason about them. It's just they they're all, I think they're always going to have an effective offense. I, I just think that's kind of a constant with with this with this program. And and I do like that the guys some of the guys now Kendall Diggs is hitting 370, so that's a guy you expected. But there are a lot of guys in this group of guys who have been the best bats for them so far that you weren't necessarily looking at that way. Like Jared Sprague lot, frankly, you know, being mm-hmm. leading the team in hitting. And then you have guys a little bit further down like Bahila Aloy or Hudson White, um, Jason Jones, who we kind of assume are going to be better than, than right. what they've been so far. So if you're telling me that those guys haven't come around yet, but Jared Sprague lot has been a big part of things. I'm going to take that as kind of a, positive which is no disrespect to jared sprague lot but he just wasn't among the transfers one of the guys whose name you heard a lot in terms of hey this is going to be a a catalyst for us so yeah i think they'll get it figured out but but man it just to your point figuring it out might just be being an average offense and that should be enough i i think one thing to, to keep in mind is they're not hitting home runs right now they've only hit four you know all season which is last in the conference um, I think as the weather warms up, I mean, they're, they're not playing in great hitting conditions. Um, weather warms up, you know, that, that could change, and, and that could make that offense look a little bit different. I think one other thing to consider, too, and I didn't see what they did this weekend. I guess I should maybe, like, check up on that to see if I'm if I'm still feeling the way I was I was feeling about this. Let me look before I just pop off with some hot takes. Yeah, so I wonder, because we, we also had questions about them – offensively and kind of just generally against James Madison. Well, since they played James Madison, James Madison beat Virginia Tech and swept Fairfield, which, okay, Fairfield, Northeastern team, but, like, that's a good Northeastern team. Mm-hmm. Um, James Madison just might be good. So we th- that might be the kind of series we look at at the end of the year and go, like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. You know, like like when a team maybe had played Georgia Southern early in the season two years ago the yeah. year Georgia Southern hosted. And I think maybe Tennessee played them that year, actually. And it's like, uh, they, you know, maybe they Georgia Southern kind of fought them a little bit and you think, well, that's weird. But then you look at the end of the season and, oh, actually, that's a really good series win right. <laughs> in hindsight. So maybe that's what we're going to see with James Madison. And, that the, you know, we kind of looked at him sideways last week and, and maybe by the end of it, it makes a lot more a lot more sense that they had a tough time. So mm-hmm. that certainly seems seems on the table. Um Coming up for them, obviously, they you know things lighten up a little bit. They've got Murray State and McNeese the next two weekends before they start SEC play. Um, so you know a couple weekends where I think we'll start to be able to look at look if they're if their offense is hitting around two fifty coming out of those two weekends, like yeah. maybe we recalibrate some things. But I don't think we're going to have to have that conversation. That's kind of my my feeling on it. Yeah, agreed. Let's talk about Auburn. Um, that's where I was in Jacksonville to see the Tigers firsthand. They went two and one um, wins over Iowa. They took down Brody Brecht. Well, they took down the bullpen after Brody Brecht mm-hmm. left is, mm-hmm. is the way I actually should put it. Um, but they, they beat Iowa. They trounced Wichita State. Um, and before you 
before you look askance at that, you know, Wichita State also beat Iowa today. Like th- that team played hard. That team played well, like the two other games this weekend. But Auburn made them look like amateur hour. So they win those first two games. They lose a hard-fought game tonight. I just got back from the ballpark. Really well-played game between Auburn and Virginia. The defense was for a February game, and it was kind of cold. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Jacksonville, so it wasn't that cold. But it was chilly for Jacksonville. And so a February game in, in chilly conditions, you don't expect the defense to be what really stands out to you, but it it was. I mean, Bobby Pierce robbed a home run, or came close anyway. Um, but Virginia turned a couple really slick double plays. Derek Fabian made some nice plays at third base for Auburn. So, And they just came yeah. up short end. You know, Virginia just outplayed them a little bit. Got some two-out hits. Like, that happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they were in that Virginia game, and, you know, the bullpen – just just couldn't couldn't make enough pitches so I, I do think that another team as pitching staff gets stretched out I mean also can be really good you know he's kind of hit or miss uh, he, he didn't go really deep in the game you know not because of pitch count I think it was just because of effectiveness and then you got Gonzalez who was good I thought um, just watching on video um, as he continues his you know his comeback story. And then I thought Myers did some things. Uh, I was I was pleased with, with how he looked on Sunday. That's a pretty good rotation, and and they have pieces behind them. There, there's a lot of depth there, and, and I do think that they've got a shot to to have a you know a, a pretty good uh, weekend bullpen. Um, the you know the thing offensively, I really like uh, how versatile that lineup is. They've got speed guys, they've got power guys, they've got double guys, they've got a little bit of everything. And I think as a result, um, you know, that that's going to be a lineup that's going to give people a lot of problems as the year goes on. Totally, totally agree on, on all accounts on the lineup. I think it's interesting kind of the way they've, they've built the lineup where it's almost like they're kind of mixing in the skill sets too. Like they've been leading off with Cooper Weiss, who is an athletic guy who can run a little bit, but he's also got some pop, but then you've got Ike Irish and we know what he's about and Bobby Pierce and McMurray are in the middle there. But like today they've kind of wedged Chris Stanfield between those power bats and Mm -hmm. Stanfield has some pop, but he's mostly going to be a gaps guy and run the bases guy. And so it is kind of interesting that as an opposing pitcher, you know, it's not just that their lineup is deep, it, although it is, it's that you've got, you know, sometimes you'll go speed, power, power, speed, power, speed. And it's just a every batter is a different look. And, and I think that's a particular challenge because, OK, you know, you, you get through Pierce and McMurray and then, well, if they've got to, if they're both on base and here comes Stanfield. Well, yeah. now the bunt becomes an interesting play because it's not just, hey, I'm just I'm going to square early. And we're just going to get it down and get the guys over. It's, hey, this guy can can run, run. We're going to need to play this blunt well. And normally, your, th- your four or five guys get on. Your six guys, probably not a guy who's typically uh-huh. been doing a lot of bunting. It's probably not a guy who you would assume would, would be a, a good runner, right? But it's a little bit different with this, with this lineup. Or even if, you know, some of the guys, Mason Maynard can run a little bit. He's a guy who could be in that, that five, six spot or um, – you know, Javon Hernandez, right? So mm-hmm. um, to your point about the versatility, they can just do a lot of a lot of things well. But I do like – I really like the way Bobby Pierce swung the bat. He ended up winning MVP of the tournament. Mm-hmm. I really like the way he swung the bat. I really like the way Cooper McMurray swung the bat. What's not to like about Ike Irish? I think that the middle of that order 
yeah. is sneaky really good. It's not as sexy, yeah. right? As some of the middle of the the line, like you probably like the Petri Messina combination better in terms of like name value. You know, yeah. obviously Caglione, Shelton, A and M certainly. Um, you know, Laviolette, Montgomery, but that group, that trio, like it doesn't again, it doesn't have the blockbuster boldface names the others do, but like I'll I'll take that trio with just about anybody in the in the league, mm-hmm. especially with the way they swung swung the bats this weekend. So I really felt positive about that. Yeah. What what would you say would be Auburn's you know ceiling? Are, are they an Omaha kind of club or do you think they're more of a host or regional kind of team? I think I think they are certainly can be. Mm-hmm. If if the if the pitching stays healthy, then it's a definitive yes. I think it's mm-hmm. an Omaha type club because I think the offense is versatile. I think the offense can get. I think in today's game, there's no way around it. I get that some people just think it's almost like offensive to their senses. Like you got to be able to hit a three run home run. You just got to, and and they can and they can do that. But they can also run. They can defend. You know, I, I like the defensive pieces. Weiss is super solid. Fabian's a good athlete who can play everywhere. Uh, Bobby Pierce is a great right fielder. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Stanfield's athleticism. So yeah. they can defend for sure. They're not not Kentucky in that regard, but right. they can really defend. But the key will be the health on the mound and being able to establish those roles. But I liked what I saw from Gonzalez. He pitched better than his numbers in his start. Mm-hmm. A couple, couple things there is one – he gave up the the three runs, but yeah, I'm checking. Yeah, three runs. I got my book here. Um, yeah. But that was in the second inning of that game, and it went hit batter, single, home run, boom, 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 and suddenly they Wichita had three runs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just some of that's just bad luck with the clustering yeah. of those those hits. So, and then secondarily, Butch in the post game kind of suggested, look, Auburn already had a big lead at that point. You know, when he was working into the into the uh, you know finished four innings, he'd already uh-huh. thrown seventy pitches. I got the sense that if it was a tight game, or if it, if there hadn't been so many long breaks, where you know Gonzalez is sitting on in the dugout for thirty minutes because uh-huh. Auburn's hitting for thirty minutes, that he could have pushed for more, but was just kind of like we don't need to do this. What you All know, right. we're not going to just run yeah. him back out there. So. I think he actually pitched better than the numbers suggest. And in having him healthy, we've talked about it a lot. It just takes so much pressure off everyone else because you know he's going to compete. He's going to battle. He's He tends to be fairly efficient because he's not looking for strikeouts. He's looking mm-hmm. for rollovers. So that helps. So, But then it takes pressure off of, okay, Alsup does not have to be like high-end Friday dude to be mm-hmm. effective. Like, just be, you know, just be solid. Just be you. Be like Auburn's Brody Brecht. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't go five innings every time out, but can you give us quality? And then I'm with you on on Myers. The guy just knows what he's doing, and that's really no surprise. His dad, for those who don't know, is Matt Myers, who was longtime pitching coach, um, who now I I actually had heard today he took a job in the Pirates organization, so he's going to be working on the pro side now. But Mm -hmm. So his dad's a pitching coach. No surprise that he's got some polish, but – his stuff plays up like he knows how to use use his stuff. He wasn't as sharp today as, as he was a week ago, but there was nothing alarming about the outing to me mm-hmm. necessarily. So I'll be interested to see, like, is he, you know, is he an all conference guy in the SEC? Probably not. But if he's your Sunday guy, you're in really good shape. And then the bullpen, you think about just with the guys I saw today, right? Like Herbert Holtz pitched today. Like mm-hmm. that's a guy we thought could have and 
easily been in the rotation and, right. and they're using them as a bullpen piece. That's a huge advantage there. Um, Tanner Bauman, same thing. Guy who got, has had some starts, could theoretically start, gives an interesting right. look as a starter. You know, Will Cannon the other day, same thing. Cam Tilly will probably be a rotation guy at some point in his Auburn career. Yeah. Like, that's a really important card to play for them because they've got some guys with stuff on this staff, but it's mostly not a staff of big time stuff. So when mm. you put a Cam Tilly in there and his stuff is not as good as it will be, but you can tell that this is a this is a high end arm right. on a staff of guys that aren't necessarily high end arms. And so he gives he gives teams a different a different look. It's almost like there's an when he when he gets in the mound and I saw him pitch a couple nights ago, there's almost this aura around him because you're used to with Auburn, here's a pitchability guy and here's a sinker guy and here's a fastball changeup guy who's gonna just like change up you to death. And then oh here's Cam Tilly who is not a finished product, but already looks like, oh, this is this is like a future Friday guy, right? Yeah. Um, he already has that look about him, even if he's not a totally polished product, which I think is, is great news for Auburn. So as long as that group stays healthy, I really like the bullpen because they they give you a ton of looks and it's deep, which again, mm -hmm. with the injuries last year was just a was a problem. They didn't have a lot of cards to play when it was all said and done. And they they got 110% out of everybody last year on the staff. And this year they just don't, don't have to in, in the same way. And I think that's a huge luxury for them. So that's a little bit of filibustering, but to answer your question directly. Yeah. I think, I think it's an Omaha club. If they, if the pitching can stay in its roles, can stay healthy, this definitely could be, could be an Omaha club for sure. I mean, I, and I think the floor is high, right? I, I mean, I think it's, it's a high floor of being a, you know, on the re, regional bubble high end two seed at, at the floor for me is what this team is. I feel really good about them coming out of the weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of club I think um, that they have enough experience and they have enough guys who have been through it, you know, and then they've supplemented with, with some talent, especially in, in the infield where they come in and those are older players too. So it's it's not like you're you're trying to win with freshmen or you know super talented guys. You're you you have some of those, but you have some some grinders, right? And you have some people that that you know that that have done it. it, it, it maybe not at the SEC level, but they've had success elsewhere. And, and I think that's gonna you know Butch is gonna get the as we talked about. Butch is gonna get the most out of guys. And, and I think Auburn's got a chance to have a big year. Totally, totally agree. Let's move on and talk briefly about Kentucky. They were at one of the other tournaments. They played in Round Rock. They go two and one out there. They lose Friday to Washington State. Offense really got shut down on Friday. Two hits. They scored four runs, but that was on two hits. So not, yeah. not great from, from that standpoint. Uh, but they win the next two days, 11 to five over Texas State. Good offensive performance there. And then uh, they won today against Kansas, eight to five. And I said this on weekend waypoints, like, Forget about your 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 older brothers, Kansas. Like th this Kansas team, I don't know if they'll be a regional team or not, but they're clearly a lot more talented than they were even two or three years ago. So, well, maybe not more talented because they had Cooper McMurray and Maui Ahuna and yeah. <laughs> Skylar Messenger, but they're a better team now than they were two or three years ago. So, um, that's a good. So that's a good win, is what is what I'm saying there. So two and one for Kentucky, and, and my big takeaway here is I'm not shocked that they're have individual moments where they struggle offensively because this is not a high powered offense. We know what we're dealing with here. And if they, if they don't get guys on base, it's going to be hard to execute what they want to do. 
front. For me, the, the more interesting thing and the thing that I'll be I'll be watching for is that so much of what this season will be once we get to SEC play is going to be are Smith and Moore in the rotation, are they going to be able to go toe-to-toe with other guys in the SEC? And it's two starts. I don't want to overreact, but they 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 have not been to that level yet. Um, you know, Smith against Washington State, five innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, five strikeouts. That's okay, but it's, you know, Washington State had a good weekend, probably not an SEC-level offense, I have to imagine. So that that's that's concerning there. And then Mason Moore against Kansas, four and a third, six hits, two runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Again, that's that's okay, um, but that's a total of nine hit nine hits and walks in, in four and a third innings. That's almost a, a two whip, obviously. So mm-hmm. um, about a two whip. So those guys are just going to have to be better, um, and, and maybe they will. Like again, two weeks. I don't want to go overboard here, but it, it seems like that's just the offense is going to have days like they had Friday. And you just kind of hope that the pitching is able to offset some of that. Yeah. I think the interesting piece for me with them is they're going to play so many close games because their margin for error is so small. They're not going to bludgeon you to death and put up the crooked numbers, at least not, not with any regularity. So the bullpen is going to be really important and, and, having those starters get deep in games. So you're not using the bullpen, you know, and you're not, Maybe that that guy you don't really want to use doesn't have to pitch. And I think that's going to be big for them. I mean, you know, Evan Byers worked three scoreless frames, um, you know, in in one of the wins this weekend. That that's big for them. They need guys who can step forward and and do that and and get and put up those zeros because yeah, you know, as, as you saw last year, they're going to there's going to be a lot of games where they're one and two runs and, and being able to hang on and win and, you know, and be able to, you know, just keep the bases empty. Um, Cause uh, you know, just like, like with Georgia, right. Where they come storming back and have a couple of, couple of comeback wins. Everybody's going to make a run in this league. So you've got to have those, you know, you, you got to have guys you can depend on who can at least, you know, limit the traffic on the bases. And and that's that's really what I want to see from Kentucky, uh, in addition to what you mentioned with, with the rotation. Agreed. And I think one other thing, you know, I mentioned when I was comparing Auburn's defense to Kentucky, saying, well, they're not Kentucky, but um, Kentucky made last week in the midweek four errors against Moorhead State. Mm-hmm. They made three against Washington State in Friday's game and, and and just one the next two days of the weekend. But this is a team that would have streaks of not making errors. And so mm-hmm. the defense is not, again, another small sample, but the defense has not been what it was last year. I mean, right now they're, they're fielding 963. Like that's not even close. Yeah. I mean, that's 24 points shy of what they fielded last year. So that that's just going to have to get – cleaned up and and I, I trust that it will because most of the key pieces are the same people in the case of like Petre and, and Grant Smith but are also good defenders Mitchell Daly uh, Ryan Nicholson you still have Devin Burks behind the plate so you know I think that's probably just some quirky stuff that that has they've just happened to cluster errors together but it is something to monitor because the defense was such a you know really was the secret sauce for last year's team is they just weren't they just weren't being themselves they threw strikes and they fielded the ball and that shows you that how far those things can can take you. So something to watch there. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Te presentamos a la familia López. Fashion es su pasión. Vas a ver que estos flare jeans los va a tener todo el mundo. Y cuando se enteraron de que Walmart ahora tiene un probador virtual para su centro de visión. Fashion show virtual. Aquí viene Silvia con monturas preciosas de DKNY. Le sigue José en lentes de Nike y Sandra con lentes de Vivi que le quedan bellos. Con mis flare jeans. Pruébate todos los looks con el probador virtual de Walmart. Sube tu prescripción y compra tus lentes online para que te lleguen directo a casa. Bienvenido a un cuidado de visión más fácil. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Se aplican restricciones. Visita walmart.com para más detalles. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Um, Georgia had an interesting weekend. Um, yeah. They yeah. Two, two walk-off wins um, against Northern Kentucky. That series just frankly was a lot more competitive like kudos to northern kentucky um but after a 15 to 5 win for georgia the first day the next two games were one one run games and both involved big comebacks for georgia so let me pose this to you mark yeah is it more concerning that georgia had to work so hard to sweep northern kentucky or is it heartening that they kind of had this gear to find to put them back in these games and win them in walk-off fashion yeah, I mean, they had just been rolling through the competition. I mean, they had not had a game closer than nine runs until those those two that that they had to come back. And to score three in the night kind of shows you something, right? It shows you that they have a gear, uh, that, that they can come back and do it. And then in Sunday's game, they were behind. Then they jumped way out ahead, and then they blew that lead. And, and that, that is definitely concerning. But then they fought back to, to – to get the walk-off win again. The the thing that's really interesting for me is they lead the SEC in home runs. And I know the the competition hasn't been superb, but, you know, they're not the only one whose competition hasn't been great. And and they continue to, you know, to, to excel there. Uh, Charlie Condon is just having an incredible year. Um, we wondered if anybody would pitch to him. Well, they are so far. He's 18 for 28, which is a 643 batting average. Um, if he continues to do that, he's going to see uh, he's going to see a lot of walks. Uh, but he's off to just a tremendous start. He's had two hits or more in every game so far this year. His OPS is is over 1800. Oh, it's just crazy. <laughs> His his on base percentage is six ninety four. His slugging percentage is eleven seventy nine, because he's got four doubles, four doubles, a triple, and three home runs. So of his eighteen hits, he's got eight extra base hits. Yeah, what else can you say about the guy? Like, he's just. I, I said this. Did I say this to you, Mark? I know I said it on radio at one point, but you know this is hard. Maybe a little hyperbolic because Tommy White exists, but like, we're probably not giving Charlie Condon enough run for the con for the possibility that he might be the best hitter in college baseball yeah i mean because I mean, he's he's off to an incredible start right right establishing that is one thing but continuing it 
you know, a year's another. And obviously, he's yeah. not going to hit 600. But but he, I, I think he's got a he's got a great shot to hit over 400. And with his power numbers, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. If you hit 400 with with 20 plus homers, uh, you're in you're in the uh, elite company. So. And that's what makes Tommy White so special is, you know, and I'm not, a, you and I are not scouts. We're not professional coaches, but you know, what we see with our eyeballs combined with what you hear about Tommy White when we talk to coaches is just like, yeah, the power's great and he's got raw power, but he has just really good feel to hit, mm-hmm. you know, like he put, he find his barrel finds the ball and he just, he knows what pitches to hunt. He knows when he needs to, you know, poke a ball the other way. He knows when he needs to bring his hands in. Like he just, he has a lot of feel for hitting. It's not just him up there swinging the bat in case he hits it. And it's kind of the same thing with Condon. I mean, I don't think it's nothing that, you know, he put up those numbers last year and and they had other good hitters, right? Connor Tate had a really good year, Parks Harbor, Ben Anderson, but it's not like that was, you know, a lineup that, I mean, let me put it this way. It was clear he was the guy you had to game plan around mm-hmm. and yet, right? Um, right. He, he had the year he had. And so anyway, I say all that to say, like, we're probably honestly kind of underrating this guy. And I'll be interested to see. I mean, it's his draft year. Um, right. You know, I'm kind of interested to see what where he falls into the pecking order, because I think we have a good feel for you know, Tommy White and Jack Caglione and Travis Bazana from Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Guys like that. Um, you know, where does Condon fit in with that? with that group there, that'll be interesting. Yeah. And he's such a long lean guy and, you know, traditionally, you know, a lot of those guys struggle, right. When, when they get to the big leagues, it's, you know, bats got to go a long way. Right. So (laughs) the question is, you know, how he has kind of mitigated that and and has made himself so successful, you know, at at least to this point. One of the things, yeah, go go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, you talked about, I mean, we talked about what a good start Condon's had but with Florida, with, with, with Caglione. I mean, he's off to an incredible start so far with a bat. I mean, he's batting 545, and it's not just hitting the ball out of park. The other day he had four singles, right, in the same game. So this is a guy who's not an all-or-nothing hitter. He's you know, hitting the ball the other way, he's going with the pitches, and you know he's going to see a lot of, you know, breaking balls away. Right? If you're going to try to stay away from him, and if, and he's showing that he can go the other way with it. So, you know, they swept Columbia this weekend. Uh, he he threw on Sunday, which was his first start of the year. Uh, I, I watched most of that, you know, on, on video, and he looked great. I mean, he had one little rough stretch where he gave up a walk. Um, a hit and then a three-run bomb. But other than that, I mean, he he threw three innings. He struck out seven. I think he walked two. I mean, he's not, you know, he he wasn't dialed in from a control standpoint. It was his first game, but he was mid nineties. He flashed ninety-eight, ninety-nine a couple times. He was he was good. I mean, he you know, it's just a question of, you know, with him is can can he stack those stack those outings up. The other thing with uh, with Florida is the freshman Liam Peterson. He looked great on Saturday. You know, he, he threw Tuesday, threw briefly, and then came back and, and threw again. I think he's thrown like maybe seven innings so far this year, and over two starts, haven't given up a run. He's just he he's so polished and calm for a freshman. Uh, he's 
I mean, he's looked really good. And then, you know, Cade Fisher, who who struggled in their opener, they, you know, they lost the St. John's opener. He was good the other um, in, in his second, in his comeback start. I think he struck out 10, something like that, in five innings. I mean, he was, he bounced back, you know, and, and that was more what we expected from him, you know, after seeing him last year and seeing him in the fall. So, um, and then offensively, Florida's, I mean, they're going to hit a lot of home runs uh, in the middle of that order. Uh, the, the only thing I'll point out here is uh, Cade Curland was hit by a pitch on Friday and uh, had x-rays on his hand, and they're negative, but they held him out for the rest of the weekend. So as a result, there were a lot of different lineups for, for Florida this weekend. And, and, you know, he's one of the best players in the in the conference, and, and they were able to – to sustain his absence and, and still have a you know strong offensive weekend. Yeah, with it, it you know, if, if Curlin continues to miss any time, it, it makes more important perhaps. You know, Dale Thomas has some mm-hmm. versatility defensively. Armando Albert, the FAU transfer, has some yep. versatility. Ashton Wilson, the Charleston Southern transfer, has some of that. So they, they've got they've got some pieces to move in there, but certainly nobody that's going to do per, give mm-hmm. them what Curland gives them uh, on the pitching side quickly too. Um, much better start for Cade Fisher this weekend mm-hmm. than the previous weekend. Um, you know, five innings, five hits, two runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts. And again, Columbia, but eh, Columbia is a good program. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to beat an Ivy league team, it's, you know, kind of Columbia and Penn and kind of then everyone else in terms of quality. And so that's, that's, we're still going to need to wait and see on some guys, but that's not nothing, you know, playing well right. against Columbia. So a good bounce back there for, uh, for Cade Fisher. Uh, final thing, Mark, um, because, you know, we had a lot of, I guess we should maybe hand out some, some kudos here. There were some, some SEC teams that just took care of business the way they were, they were supposed to take care of business. So, you know, uh, kudos to uh, Tennessee. They had little, on Saturday, Albany hung with them for like a minute, and then they just went nuts. So Tennessee takes care of business there. Uh, Alabama over Valpo took care of business there. Three and M over what? run rules. Yeah, yeah they, they've had four yeah. run rules in a row. I mean, they're just they're just mashing mashing yeah. bad teams right now. That's right. Yeah, uh, Texas A and M over Wagner in a sweep. There was one two weird two to nothing game mm-hmm. on Saturday in between games where a and just crushed Wagner pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was a sweep there. Um, I think that does it for the sweep. So that takes me to saying that the following teams took one loss this weekend, but ultimately yeah. had winning weekends, South Carolina losing a game to Belmont, Mississippi state losing a game to Georgia Southern Vanderbilt, losing a game to Gonzaga LSU losing a game to, Stony Brook. Brook. Yeah. Um, where, where have we heard that before? And Ole Miss losing a game to High Point. Um, yeah. As to not lead the jury, I will leave it at that and then throw it to you. Um, which of those surprised you the most? And then as a follow-up, are there any that you feel like are indicative of something larger? Or do we look at these as kind of, eh, you know, it can anybody can get got on any day? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I am. Um, I, I do think that with with Ole Miss, um, they lost four games in a row. It it was looking really bad, and then they responded right with with two big wins. I mean, the what they had fifteen runs in two innings on Sunday it was just something crazy <laughs> like that, um, and end up scoring twenty five. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, 
the thing about Ole Miss is all of those transfers, you know, the really heavy transfer team, and and they have some holdovers there, but but none of them are really in the same spots that they were last year. They've either had to get take on new roles, or are they getting pushed out? Right for the transfers to come in, and it's just kind of taking some time, I think, to 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 gel, and especially when things didn't go well. And so so that's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, how they are able to to push through this, and if they can excel. I think the other one for me, I was a little bit surprised LSU dropped that that game to Stony Brook. They're just not scoring enough runs uh, offensively. They had a couple games, even a couple. Um, the games they won until Sunday where they just didn't, didn't hit that much. So the pitching has been fine. The pitching has been better than fine most days. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, they're still playing with the lineup. There's a new lineup every day. You know, they've got lots of options and in the long run, they're going to be fine, but it's just trying to, to understand. You see some of these other teams just mashing similar opponents, um, you know, Northern Illinois, what held them to a few hits one day, um, but LSU's not. So maybe it's nothing, but but it does kind of make you make you look. Well, why is Georgia doing this? Why is South Carolina or Alabama or whoever? Right, they're putting up double digits. Why can't we? Right, if you're an LSU fan, and so that would be the the thing. Uh, certainly, that the pitching has been. Hit. Uh, for, for the most part, has has lived up to the lofty expectations we all had for the Tigers. Yeah, through two weeks, it looks like Luke Holman is maybe you know yeah. ticketed to be the ace right he's now. Feeling. He's been really really good in both of his starts. <clears throat> Thatcher Hurd has been okay. Um, you know, I got asked on Baton Rouge radio last week. You know, um, and and on New Orleans radio actually, <laughs> they both they both kind of asked me about Hurd, and and I, I was like, you know, I think I think he's you know, we're still figuring out, is he the Thatcher Heard we saw early last year or is he the Thatcher Heard that we saw in the postseason? And the answer to me, if you if you really force me, is, is like he's probably somewhere in between. I, I just think we've seen enough of him now to know that he's just not going to be a dominant, super clean starting pitcher. It just doesn't seem like that's him. But Luke Holman, on the other hand, looks like he might be. But I say all that to say, if you're going, if you're rolling out there, Holman heard one, two, you're feeling pretty good. Like, I, I, so I don't think what we've seen from Thatcher Hurd is a reason for worry so much as it might just be a reason to say, okay, Holman's our Friday guy and Hurd's our Saturday guy. And then we'll, we'll and roll with that. Jump, when, when he's, as he continues to work back, I mean, Correct. he's a heck of a, heck of a third guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I get it. You know, you, you wanted Thatcher Hurd to, use last postseason as a springboard into something bigger and maybe he still will. But even if he doesn't, like, I, I think we, you know, we, we can still have an effective weekend starter in, in him uh, moving, yeah. moving forward. So. And honestly, um, so, if they don't and, and they need to do something else, they have options and then they can kind of get him right and get him ready for the stretch run. And you see how that worked out a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Friday, they play Texas at Minute Maid Park. That will be a, um, that'll be a good one. Folks, uh, I assume they're going to see LeBaron Johnson for Texas. I've not paid attention to Texas rotation, but I think he's starting on Fridays for them, and he uh, was excellent last weekend. So that'll be a fun, a fun little matchup. And any any offensive issues that LSU has could be exacerbated by going up against one of the best arms in the Big Twelve. So yeah. it should be a lot of fun. Um, I so to answer it myself, I was with you at the time 
I would have said the Ole Miss loss was the one that was like, oh my goodness, this might be a cataclysmic loss because it yeah. it wasn't just that they lost a high point, a program that's hasn't been very good lately and, and is still trying to find its footing under a relatively new coaching staff. But it, like they, it just wasn't competitive, and it just—I've said this before. Like nobody looks good losing to a team they're more talent, more talented than. But they just looked listless. Like it just didn't. It just felt like there were bad vibes, you know. Yeah. But then they came out angry, and and so now I feel I'm feeling less worried about that loss, yeah. uh, because of the way they played the last, the last two days. Um, so I'm with you in generally these losses. I, I don't take any of them and, and think like uh. You know, that's, that's a problem. Um, you know, I, Vanderbilt's one we haven't talked about it at all, but I just think Gonzaga is one of those teams. I mean, Gonzaga wasn't very good last year, but basically for the entire last decade, Gonzaga has just been a thorn in the side of every major conference program they they travel to. I just think that's kind of what that program is. So they, they played Vanderbilt close a couple times and won a game. I'm not really worried about it. The bullpen wasn't great for Vanderbilt today, but a lot of that was defense. Like, it, uh-huh. you know, there were, there were some errors that were costly. I saw the freshman Alex Kranzler was in there and got hung with four unearned runs, which, you know, is not really what you're, what you're looking for. Um, so it's how you lose a game, especially at one. No doubt. Run. No doubt about that. So yeah, I, I, my, my worry level is, is, is kind of low generally. And I liked that with state can, you know, Cal Steven got got on Saturday, but you know, Georgia Southern's not nobody as a program. And, around it, you had a great start from dome and you had a great start from Sanja. Right. And, yeah. and so when you talk about state, that being the primary problem they had last year, you know, if they were going to fix one thing, it, it had to be the starting pitching and, and yeah. through two weeks, you know, they're, they're on a, on a positive track and, you know, I'm not going to go any further than that, make any declarative statements. Yeah. Um, not going to do the mission accomplished banner, you know, for those who get yeah. that joke, but certainly tracking in the right direction. I think that's indisputable. Yeah, they, they're pitching so much better. It's no doubt. I think the the thing for me on, on Mississippi State is they're not hitting the ball out of the park. And I know it's not the most hitter friendly, you know, from a dinger standpoint, but they've hit four home runs all year. Um, you tell me Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines, I would expect them to have four by now, right? Combined anyway. You, you look around the league and, you know, Alabama's got – two guys with five, right? And then the ballparks are different and all that kind of stuff. But I would just expect a little bit more uh, punch from that lineup. And if they aren't doing it, someone else needs to. And and that's just – that hasn't happened yet. And I think that that's what's going to make it you know, kind of like what we talked about with Kentucky. If you pitch, pitch well but don't have the home runs and you aren't really, you know – you aren't really playing small ball and manufacturing stuff, you're going to have trouble in these close games because how are you going to score? You need too many, too many singles. And and, and I think that's where Mississippi state is. Um, I don't know if they're just pressing or, or what, but, but those are, there's some established hitters in that lineup that are, you know, that are capable of, it's not just about home runs, but just being more productive. And, and I think that's going to be the key for them is they try to, you know, get something established right before conference play. Yeah. I mean, you look at their stat page and their top three hitters, at least looking at batting average and really by, by most metrics is mm-hmm. Monty Larry, Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's, that's what you're looking for. But two things. One is that 
with the exception of Bryce Chance, who's kind of floating there in the middle as their fourth best guy and has been mm-hmm. pretty solid. It drops off pretty quickly when you get into Heisick and then Johnny Long and Dylan Cup. Um, you know, then you have the injured guys or guys who have been injured, Mershon and Logan yeah. Kohler, although, you know, in, in Kohler's case has played more. Um, but, you know, Ross Heifel is hitting 100. And considering yeah. he's the offensive guy among the catchers, you know, you're, you're kind of looking for a reason to, yeah. to get him in the lineup, but hitting 100 is He hadn't caught yet. He's he's only okay. DH'd to this point. Okay. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. And when you're bad as your calling card, like it's mm-hmm. it's tough when you're when you're hitting a hundred. So uh, the big thing though for me is that uh, we talked about this last week, I think. But the, the the second half of that lineup, whether it's people like you know Kohler getting not only healthy as he is, but then hot, mm-hmm. and then David Mershon getting back and, and getting hot. However they do it, that the bottom half of the lineup just has to get better, you yeah. know, um, because at, at this point. It, it kind of reminds me of a lineup we talked about last year. It kind of reminds me of Georgia's lineup, which is probably not a comparison Mississippi State fans are particularly happy to hear about. But the top half of Georgia's lineup, or at least the top three or four, was great. You know, it was it was Ben Anderson and Connor Tate and Charlie Condon and Parks Harbor. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom half of it, there were just a lot of games where it was kind of, kind of a black hole. And right now it, it feels like a little bit, like that for state where something has to happen with those, those three top three or four guys, or it's not, not going to happen. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough place to live when you've got so many of these lineups where the, the eight, nine guys can, can do just as much damage sometimes as the meat of the order. So right. certainly something that is, is going to have to get better. All right, Mark. Well, that seems like an episode. I feel like we, we covered that pretty well. Things are, are ramping up uh, week three, Promises to be pretty good. We've got, obviously, we talked about LSU in the Houston tournament. We've got rivalry series, South Carolina Clemson, you know, Florida and Miami, Georgia, Georgia Tech. So I think there'll be more more than this week in the past two weeks to, to talk about. So we are we are building up to, the, to uh, the SEC play, which is now just three weeks away. So looking forward to everything between, between now and then, but especially to SEC play. But that is going to do it for this edition of Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. Thank you to PitchLogic for sponsoring this and every episode of Highway to Hoover. Uh, Thank you, Mark, as always, for joining me. And thank you, the listener, for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.